Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 476. This week, we have a listener review of a recent Oasis of the Seas cruise in which Kurt tells us all about what he did on board and the nuances of going on a cruise during a hurricane and driving to the port. Here we go. Back with another listener cruise review in this week's episode is uh, a person who is not unfamiliar to podcast listeners. He's done a number of cruise reviews here. It is Kurt Pressure. Kurt, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hi, Matt. Well, glad to be back. Absolutely. Glad to have you back here. And today we're talking about your seven-night cruise on Oasis of the Seas out of Cape Liberty. You took this earlier this summer. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of people like going out in New York. And uh, the Oasis of the Seas, uh, offering cruises from there is a really compelling option. So there's a lot of good reasons why you might want to pick this kind of cruise. Talk to us about why you chose Oasis of the Seas out of New York. Well, it's, uh, I mean, the New York departure is really high on my list because it's close to home. I live in Maryland, not as close as Baltimore, but still not a far drive and um, convenient. And they offer new and bigger ships. So that's, that's a big plus. Absolutely. I mean, being able to drive is always a, a nice option. And then you have the, the bigger ships there. And, you know, it's just it's it's win win, certainly to be able to go um, on Oasis out of New York. And it's it's been extremely popular ever since Real Caribbean brought it up uh, to the New York area. And, um, you know, it, it sailed last summer. It sailed again this summer. And it's been, um, like I said, I, I think a very, very popular choice. And, um, and, you know, this is a summertime thing. So Real Caribbean will bring Oasis up to New York for the summertime and then she'll go back down to Florida in the winter, whereas um, Anthem of the Seas, well, depending on the year, I think this year she was over in Europe, um, but sometimes she's there as well, and other times she's uh, doing her thing in Europe. So it's a nice way to kind of change things up, especially for folks who do live in the Northeast and are always looking for really any option that is different than the than the usual. Um, so with, with going on Oasis, you've sailed out of uh, Bayonne, Cape Liberty before, is that right? I have, yeah. It's one of my favorite places to go out of. I mean, the closeness, but also it's very convenient. This parking garage right next to it. Um, when you depart, you walk right into the garage, so it's super convenient. Awesome. I was going to ask you: Is the going on Oasis versus other ships out of Cape Liberty? Is there really any noticeable difference? Is it mostly the same? Um. I would say no. I think most of the trips were still a, a most of the trips were still a little um, um, the reduced capacity mm. for us. So this is the first one that I knew it was going to be full capacity, um, but there wasn't a lot of difference. Um, I, I made note of like when we got there and so forth. We we were scheduled for 10 a.m. or uh, I'm sorry, 10:30. We got there at 10, we were seated inside of the terminal at 10.15, and we boarded at 10.30. So we, we it was very quick moving through the terminal. Yeah, super easy. Uh, and, and that's what you want to see, and that's, that's great. Because a lot of people you know, get a little worried, oh, you know, is it different from an Oasis class to some other ship? So glad to hear that. And it's, um, you know, it, it makes sense, especially when you consider that that area was built, you know, with the quantum class ships in mind. They're not small by any means, so... Uh, definitely a, a good experience overall. Um, any, uh, do you have any tips for anybody who's cruising out in New York in general, Kurt? Like just, uh, you know, whether it's Oasis or any other ship. Um, you know, I often talk to folks about if they're going to fly, that they should fly into Newark because it's so much closer to the port than other airports. But I don't know if do you have any, 
any locals, you know, you know, tips for for getting in there if anyone's driving in? Um, any any suggestions? And just in general, not about Oasis, but again, just in general. Um, well, we've stayed reasonably close. We stayed in Elizabeth, New Jersey. That's a pretty convenient area. It doesn't take you very long to get to the ship. I don't know that there are a lot of hotels right in the general area of the port. Which hotel? Perhaps you- there are, but. I- yeah, which, go ahead. Which hotel do you stay at? Because I usually I recommend folks stay at the Newark Airport hotels. But um, is there if there's a nice hotel that you know fit the bill for a night before kind of stay? I, I'd love to. You know, I'm sure there are people who would want to hear about it. We stayed at Embassy Suites, which is close to the mall. Okay. Um, I guess it is considered an airport hotel, but I think there are some that are closer to the airport than we are actually. Sure, makes total but, sense. You know, and, and if you're just yeah. coming in for the night before, you're not doing any touristy stuff in New York City proper, like Manhattan, then staying by Newark Airport, it makes a lot of sense because it's just, it's so much more convenient because you're right there already. Yeah, we stayed uh, right down on Times Square one time and the transition to get to the port took uh, quite a bit longer because of traffic in the city. So yeah, it's definitely more convenient to stay where we are if you don't have things that you want to do prior to the cruise. So let's talk about the fact that uh, this actual cruise you went on, uh, similar to myself, you went on a cruise during Hurricane Ian. When you got on the ship, like where was, what was the situation as you boarded? Did you have any, not trepidation, but did you ever think to yourself, maybe we should cancel or, or reschedule this cruise? No, because I thought we could go almost anywhere from where we were. We were, you know, a long ways away from the, the storm and we seemed to move around it pretty successfully most of the time we went to uh, Port Canaveral and Coco Cay in the Bahamas and we always seem to be either a you know a, a little bit ahead of it all the time so it worked out pretty well yeah it's great I mean it's just uh you know I, I I've talked about this on other episodes here about you know the Hurricane Ian experience and hurricanes in general and the good news is I mean they really do take good care of you but also the fact that um I, I really believe with James Van Fleet, who's Rokerman's chief meteorologist, offering, you know, his um, his expertise and his insight. It helped, you know, rearranging ports. Did your itinerary get changed at all, or did you just, were you able to just, you locked out and kind of were always just one step ahead? We were prepared for it, but it never did. Good. It never got changed. Um, any of the port days, they weren't always very pretty. It was overcast, but um, they were pretty successful, generally. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, because... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. There's a lot of people who are new to cruising and they say, oh, there's a hurricane, you know, and while storms are big, uh, you know, the ships are able to get around and, uh, it's not like just cause there's a storm in the hurt in the Caribbean doesn't mean it's, you know, encompassing the entire area. So, um, good, good stuff there. So really your experience was honestly, if, if you had been, if you had no idea there was a hurricane, it might not have otherwise really impacted your cruise at all. One of the sea days on the way back was pretty wavy. Yeah. So, um, you know, normally you don't feel much on an Oasis ship, no matter where you go. But um, it was it was moving pretty good. I didn't have any problem with it. My wife, my wife uh, needed some green apples to get her over it for a little <laughs> while. But generally, everyone was pretty was okay with it. Great, great. Uh, talk to us about the, your your experience on Oasis and what kind of stuck out to you about the ship. What'd you like about it? Was this your first time on Oasis or um, had you been on her before? I've been on Allure before. So another Oasis 
class ship, but mm -hmm. I've never been on Oasis. And I was pretty excited about going because it had been amped. Yeah. So I was uh, pretty interested in that. Um, I thought it offered quite a bit more than Allure um, when I traveled on it before. Although, you know, I mean, that's pretty amazing. The first time you get on an Oasis ship is pretty incredible. Um, it was, it was really, I mean, it's just overwhelming in some ways when you get on a ship and you just can't imagine how much is on it, frankly. Yeah. I mean, there, there, I don't think you can prepare somebody properly for how much there is to see, do and experience on an Oasis class cruise ship. I remember, you know, taking our, my in-laws and we tried to, you know, convey to them, but it's just like, at some point my wife and I realized like, there's just, you can't. <laughs> You can't understand it until you actually internalize it yourself and you experience it, and then you kind of get a sense of it. But, I mean, there's a lot, and that's a good problem to have. I like it. I, you know, I think variety is the spice of life, and I like having choices there. So it's nice to have, you know, all those uh, different options. What type of cabin did you have on this cruise? Oh, I had an interesting cabin. I had one at the very back of the boardwalk so that it was within view of the uh, aqua show. Okay. And it was it was um, interesting, and I was a little concerned about noise, and it is a little noisy back there, but I was prepared for it, so it, it wasn't terrible. The show was pretty loud, um, although it didn't run that often, frankly, because of the weather. Um, you can hear the, the cheers go up and the playmakers when a game's on. You can hear the bell on the carousel, but all in all, it was pretty fun. I... I don't know if I do it again, but it was, you know, if you're ready for it, it's not that bad. But it was pretty cool because we could watch the whole Aqua show um, after I'd seen it earlier in the day. Awesome. Well, I mean, so overall, I mean, you had, you know, some concerns, but I mean, you you enjoyed the room. Would you do that room again? I guess is my question for you. Um. Well, maybe not. Okay. I think I'd try some other rooms. Fair enough. Uh, we booked another one. We have a Central Park room next time. So we'll, I'm going to yeah. bounce around and see what I like. Sure. I mean, if you got a free cruise and they gave you that room, would you, I don't know that you turn it down because it's a free cruise. Maybe this is a bad oh. example, but uh, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, yeah, you wouldn't about be half price. Half price. <laughs> I'd sure. do it for, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I'd do it again. Okay. It, it certainly would scare me away. I, right. I'd do it again. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, something else you did on Oasis that was new to you was the unlimited dining package. Talk to us about why you went with the unlimited dining package and what is your take? What's, what was your experience like? Well, the last time we went on Allure, we, I don't remember doing any dining, specialty dining. And we've done some on other ships, but it's always been like a three night package or something. And, and there's a point where I think, you know, I, this is good, but I, I kind of missed the main dining room. Well, this time I knew there were so many restaurants on board. I was not going to be bored with the selections that we had. So I thought, well, we'll just forget about the main dining room entirely. I won't feel guilty about leaving the servers behind. And we just went from place to place. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Although there is something to be noted in that the specialty restaurants don't change their menu. So you know, if there's only a couple of dishes that sound appealing to you, that's not going to change. It's not like the main dining room where, you know, things get changed up. But uh, there's certainly a lot of choices. Yeah, and certainly on an Oasis class ship, right? When you, If you do the unlimited dining package on a, 
oh gosh, you know, a Radiance class ship or even a Voyager class ship. You know, there's we're talking about a couple of them, which is fine, and I've done that before. But on an Oasis class ship, you just have a lot more selection. Certainly on a, on a seven night cruise, uh, depending if how <laughs> how unpicky you are, you might actually have an opportunity to dine at uh, a new restaurant uh, every night of the cruise, or perhaps you know maybe double up, you know, one or two nights there. What was your what were your like top? Give me your top three specialty restaurants that you really enjoyed on on Oasis in order of like preference one, two, and three. Oh boy, um, well I liked One Fifty Central Park, yes. but it was a little too foodie for my wife. <laughs> so, um, I, honestly, the the ones that we probably all jointly we had went with another couple, mm-hmm. um, and I think we all enjoyed uh, Playmakers. Yes, <laughs> and. Um, the uh the barbecue place portside barbecue yeah. uh, almost more than anything chops is good giovanni's is good the azumi hibachi you know we did a night there um overall i i the those quick lunch and places are are pretty darn good pretty yeah. satisfying absolutely you know i i kurt you you and i cruise a lot so um you know we have the opportunity to be able to have dined at Chops and Giovanni's quite a number of times. So, you know, obviously if you're new to Royal Caribbean, you know, maybe you'd have a different outlook on it, but I just look for any opportunity. Not that I don't enjoy Chops or Giovanni's, but if there is an alternative, something like Portside, which I think is vastly underrated, you know, it's this like counter service, especially restaurant, but boy, their food is good. And I, and I really think it's well worth the money or in your case, the dining package credit to go there because it's just really, it's, it's satisfying, certainly. Oh yeah, it's it was fantastic. Way too much food. Um, next time, I will probably just go in there and split meals with my wife when we go back. Good, good. Uh, talk to us about the ports. What did you do in in the ports you visited? Because you went to Coco Key, Nassau, and Port Canaveral, right? Boy, not much. You know, I, it's pretty tough to uh, talk yourself out of leaving an Oasis ship. There's so many things to do. Mm. Um, Port Canaveral didn't get off the ship. Uh, weather wasn't looking too good. I was really excited because there was supposed to be a rocket launch happening the day we were there. And obviously the weather was terrible, so that didn't happen. But I, I, that, w- that was a big disappointment. I was really ready for that. Um, Coco Cay, weather was kind of iffy. The docking situation, I guess, was a little bit iffy. Um, but we got docked and we really had no issues. I, there might have been a light rain at one point, but I, hardly anything to speak of. So it was it was pretty beautiful most of the day. Um, and NASA, our, our friends got off the boat for a little while and came back on. And then there was a downpour at one point in, during the day. So I saw a lot of people coming back stoked. Um, but uh, I mean, we just enjoyed our time on the boat, frankly. Nice. I keep saying boat. I know people are going to hate me. But... <laughs> please, yeah, please send the send the emails to Kurt, not me. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I guess here's here's my last question for you, Kurt. You know, you were on Oasis, spent seven nights there. If you could blink yourself back on board to one place, and that's like you got to spend your your time there. That's your one um, uh, uh, Dorothy, uh, click your heels to go place. What would it? Where, what would that location be on the? Um, Oasis of the Seas. Boy, I don't know. That's a tough one. We we did so many. 
I mean, some of the shows were fantastic. The Aqua 80 show was wonderful. And the ice skating show was incredible, but you don't hang out there, right? Normally, I go to the schooner bar. Um, the day that the, the first day there was a no show piano player, so um, it kind of got out of our mind. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Um, putting you on the spot here, the, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, it did put me on the spot. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we definitely hang out in the solarium, and that's that's, that's pretty a good spot. nice in there. So. Yeah, that's a that's a good spot. Yeah, I mean it, it's you could take a nap. You you can you can get a drink. You can take another nap. You can then go into the uh, cool down a little bit. It's it's a multi purpose. You know, it's, it's it's good day or night, quite frankly. So I think it's a good spot for uh, to, to be able to go back to. So anyway, uh, Kurt, yeah, thank, like, thank thank you so much. For I like to catch up on the reading. But there you go. Go ahead. Even better. Yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us here. Really appreciate it, and it's always good to hear from you and and hear your experiences on the Oasis of the Seas. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Alrighty, time to answer your listener emails. It's the part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Cream Blog podcast email inbox and answer the questions that you've sent me. If you want me to answer your email, you can always send it to matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. First email today is from Steve. Long-time listener to the podcast and love your YouTube and blog content. In the listener questions of episode 471, there was an email from somebody who didn't leave a name. They were asking about dress for theme nights. My wife and I found on the Royal app that roughly seven to 10 days before the cruise, you can swipe to the deck plan section, then to activities. And at the end of the list, there's a section titled announcements. There, here, there, there is a list of each night's attire, Caribbean, formal, 70s, etc. Hope this information is helpful. Thank you for all the amazing work you and your team at Royal Caribbean Blog do. And he sent me some screenshots over here. And uh, sure enough, it is in there. So, uh, in general, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of expand Steve's answer here. First of all, Steve, thank you. This is a good answer because I didn't know about the specific announcement section. But about a week or so, maybe sometimes even less before your cruise, the cruise planner begins to populate or in the in the in your Royal Caribbean app. So if you were if you have a cruise like you know two, three, six months from now, if you go to the app, it's gonna be like there's nothing here. You, know, you can't see anything. But when you get to a couple days before your cruise, things will show up there, including activities and movies and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, the attire will also appear in there. It's a little hard to find because you usually have to scroll through it. So what Steve's answer is doing is it allows you to go straight to the announcements area in which you can just clearly see, okay, night one is this, night two is this, night three is that. And so that's a really good idea. And, and certainly, Steve, I wasn't aware of the announcement section, so this actually helped me out. So thank you, Steve, for that suggestion there. Next email is from uh, Angelo, I think. Hey, Matt, love your podcast. Started listening from the beginning and listened to all the episodes. I'm going on my first cruise with my family the first week of December. I was wondering if the allure of the season can be renovated by the time that I go. I keep hearing it is, and then I hear it won't due to the Icon ship. I was also wondering if you know anyone who has anxiety, do they get anxiety on the ship, or is the ship big enough that it doesn't bother them? Thanks for answering my questions. Keep up the podcast. Love listening to it. So uh, this is two interesting questions. First of all, the allure refurbishment was postponed in... 2020 didn't happen. And uh, no, the answer is you're going on your cruise in December. It will not be. Um, the, the Royal Caribbean does not refurbish its ships, amplify its ships, whatever you want to call it, outside of a schedule about every five years. So they're not going to pull the ship out of service. It costs them money, in, not only in the work being done, but the fact that means that there's now a you know canceled couple of cruises because it takes a couple of weeks. Um, that's, that's lost revenue. So the answer is no, they're not going to. And there's been no plans announced for that. So the next opportunity would be about 2025 because she she did go in for in 2020 
or just under the hood work. So she didn't get like her upgrades like the Ultimate Abyss and water slides and all that. So they just brought her in and it is a main regular maintenance work. So my expectation would be at the earliest you would see an amplification in 2025, but Royal Caribbean has not officially announced it. And I would expect them to say, hey, we are gonna do this and here are the upgrades coming, similar to what they did a couple of years ago when we thought Allure was gonna get the upgrades in 2020. So I'll keep an eye on that. As to the anxiety question, this is a good question. I don't suffer from anxiety, so I can't personally answer this for you. But we have a, one of our writers at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Haley Mills, has done a series of uh, blog posts about anxiety and how to deal with it. And I know there are many forms of it, and I don't want to certainly pretend that I know what I'm talking about. I can only tell you that she's written about them. So, Angela, if you search for, if you go to Google and just type in Royal Caribbean Blog Anxiety, I think you're going to find Haley's articles. Here, I'm going to do this right now while we're Royal Caribbean Blog Anxiety. And it's by Haley. Yep. And, and the first article, the first thing that comes up in my results is extra tips to prepare for your cruise if you have anxiety. And then also why cruises are great for people with anxiety. So I will defer to Haley's expertise here uh, as someone who has this kind of situation. Um, she can certainly give you some insight there, Angelo, and hopefully that'll help you out there. So thank you for uh, your email. Next up is an email from Laura Guzman. Hello, Matt. I went on Independence of the Seas last weekend and it was great to hear your podcast the day before going on the trip. Having had gone on longer cruises, I couldn't have agreed more on your podcast. I was actually celebrating my birthday, and it seemed like everybody on the cruise was celebrating too. Anyways, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. Oh, Laura, thank you for the email. It was number one. It's always nice when when people tell me that they agree with me. I'm not looking for, you know, that, that isn't the end all be all what makes a good email, but it's an added bonus. So thank you for listening. And, and I'm glad you had a great time on board. Even better. Alan has our next email for us. It is from, oh, well, it's from Alan. I asked you a question a few weeks ago about booking a smaller class size ship on a shorter sailing while flying to a port in Florida compared to a longer sailing on a quantum or oasis class ship for seven nights. I forgot that Royal Caribbean sails out of New York, New Jersey, which is about a seven or eight hour drive for us. I ran some of the numbers and for a seven night sailing on oasis out of New York, New Jersey, it would cost about the same as a four or five night cruise on a freedom or navigator class ship out of Florida. This is cruise fare and airfare. The only concern I would have had about sailing out of New York is that it's not as port heavy as the sailings uh, like the ones that they are out of Florida. What would you recommend for a first-time cruiser? Thanks for all you do and anxiously awaiting to hear about Icon of the Seas. Alan, great question. So I, I don't remember what I told you before, but <laughs> I would... Boy, this is a good question. What would I... <sighs> I mean, I say you do the seven-night sailing on Oasis out of New York. I think for a first-time cruiser, number one, I generally recommend the Oasis or Quantum Class ships. You've got that going for you. Yeah, you're not going to go to as many ports. It's not going to be nearly as an exotic itinerary. I don't think it matters. I think the fact that you're going to have seven nights is really the most important thing. So you've got seven nights and you've got an Oasis Clash ship. Those two things, to me, are more, I don't want to say important, but certainly way heavier, I think, for a first-time cruiser. I think it's a good mix of sea days and port days, and it's a great ship to go on. Nothing wrong with Freedom or Navigator. I think they're great for first-timers. The four or five-night cruise might be just a little too short for you to get a good sense of what there is to do on a cruise and and, and, and really establish that for you. And the fact that you can drive to Oasis is even added bonus. Uh, you can ask anybody who's been cruising for a while, Alan. Being able to drive to your cruise is such a benefit. You heard earlier in this episode, Kurt, talking about the fact that he was able to drive to his cruise. I mean, it's it's just such an easier thing. Not because, you know, you're, you're being cheap about airfare or anything like that. Um, it, it really comes in handy when it's just so much more convenient. That's all. It, you, it, it's like a it's like a weight off your shoulders kind of thing. So if you can drive, that's an added bonus. Another reason to do that. So I I say Oasis 
out of Cape Liberty in New Jersey, and that'd be a, a good option for you. Next email is from Ryan. I'm a longtime listener. I have two questions for you. Question number one. I've been very interested in cruising to Antarctica, and Royal Caribbean doesn't have any ships going there at the moment. Do you have any idea if that's in the works anytime soon? Uh, Ryan, I don't believe so. Thank you for the email. I don't believe so. I have no reason to believe so because Royal hasn't even like hinted or even said anything about it. They've never offered cruises to Antarctica. Uh -huh. uh, it is, as you might imagine, extremely far away from any of the ports Royal Caribbean serves. Um, I think the only exception to this, hang on, I forgot about one thing, uh, was the World Cruise. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I thought Serenade of the Seas, which is doing the World Cruise, is going to try to stop over there. Uh -huh. um, I I'm not... I'm looking at I'm kind of curious. Uh, World Cruise, Antarctica. Does it go there? Because I know it goes like... It goes around the Cape, uh, the Horn of America. I'm just curious if it actually stops there or it's like you can see it kind of thing. Because I thought that it was going to... It's like one of these like super interactive websites where it's like, it's very pretty, but not very functional. Like, just tell me. Um, yes, yeah, South American. So from between December 23rd, 2023 and January 30th. That's one sailing, by the way. They're going to go around South America and Antarctica. And where are they going in Antarctica? They're talking very... Elephant Island, it sounds like they're going to. I'm, I'm reading this as I go there. So, uh, it looks like other than that, and I'm not sure that a world cruise for about a month is in the ballpark for you. But other than that, no, they don't. Number two, is there any way I could you get to you? Wait, is there any way I could get you to use the jingle that you use for your listener emails on an Instagram reel? Let's save the audio and use it for one of my Instagram reels in the near future. Thanks for all your everything you've done and keep the hard work. So I don't own the rights to the jingle, to the music you're hearing in the background right now. Um, that's actually a licensed a piece of music and I can send it to you. I suspect it's not going to be worth your time because why would you want to, I forget how much it was like 20 bucks or something like that, but like, why would you pay 20 bucks for a one-time use kind of thing? So uh, it's just not my place to give it to you because it's not my music. It's not royalty free. It is owned by whoever the person is that made this. So I paid the royalties for it. So I'm allowed to use it. But uh, Ryan, I don't want to um, mislead you. I'm going to send you an email though. You'll get this before you ever hear the podcast, I think. But you'll get the link to it if you want to go purchase it. But yeah, I wish I could send it to you, but I'm, it's not my place to do so. I want to respect the copyright laws out there. Uh, next email is from Char. I'm new to the cruise phenomenon, but was in like Flynn after my first cruise, which was on Wonder of the Seas in August 2022. Before we disembarked, I was planning our next cruise adventure. So I have two questions. Number one, what are your thoughts on the cost and idea of Storyline, the residence cruise line? Are there any other residence cruise lines on the horizon? Oh, man, I wish my good friend Billy from CruiseHabit.com was here. He knows way more about this than I do. So I know there's the world, which is a similar idea. I know very little about this. So let me put this like off the bat. I am not an expert on cruise ships in which you can live on the ship. These are unlike, you know, Royal Caribbean or MSC or Princess or Disney. These are not cruise ships you go on for a vacation. These are residencies. You purchase basically a condo. Look at it that way. And you're there for, I don't know if it's like permanent or it's like rent, but... It's basically yours. You live on the ship and the ship goes around and it just travels like that. And uh, I know the world, that was a famous one because it got a lot of attention. I'm not familiar with the storyline. Maybe it's the same company. Um, my thoughts are, it. I understand the idea of it. And I've always said this. Let me put it this way, Char. I'm just going to say this. I've always said, I don't want to live on a cruise ship. People say, oh, Matt, wouldn't you want to you know, cruise all the time? Personally... No, I enjoy a cruise, and I wouldn't mind doing longer cruises, back-to-back -back cruises, something like that. But I actually enjoy, I think going back home is nice. Getting a break from the cruise ship, it helps build, in my opinion, 
the appeal, the, or the aura, the intrigue of going on a cruise because when you are away from it, you tend to want it more, if that makes sense. It makes it more special. If you have it all the time, it's not special. The example I always share is and if you have steak every day for dinner, it no longer becomes a luxury. It just becomes steak. And it's like, okay, I'm having this again, right? I think that's what makes steak so good is that it's not the food you have all the time necessarily. So that's just me. I'm sure there are people out there who don't agree with me, but that's my opinion. So since you asked my thoughts on it. And in terms of cost, oh my God, as I, last I checked, I thought it was like ridiculously priced. So there's that as well. Number two, I'm considering doing cruising with three other families to Alaska for the first time with kids ranging between the ages of six and 14. Six and 14, what ships should be considered? What itinerary would you choose and why? Please advise in any way you see fit. Love the information you provide. You and Rick Steves are my happy place. Well, thank you, Char, appreciate that. I would say if with kids six to 14, if you've never done Alaska, I would definitely recommend, and I'm assuming you're an American, uh, I'm going to highly recommend either Ovation or Quantum of the Seas out of Seattle. There's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, the Quantum class, Ovation and, and Quantum, have a lot for kids to do on board. So whether it's Adventure Ocean, whether it's activities on board, it's a really good fit for families, more so than the Radiance class ships that offer cruises to Alaska. Not saying kids can't have a good time on there. Not saying if you have kids and you're booked on Radiance or Brilliance, that that's a bad thing. No, far from it. I'm just saying that he's asking my opinion in the grand scheme of things, and there's just there's simply more to do on a quantum class ship, especially for that age range. So I would lean there. But more importantly, number two, you're going to do a round trip cruise. So you're going to do a cruise that begins Seattle, ends in Seattle. And by going out of Seattle, you can fly to Seattle and it's a lot cheaper. And there's more flight options into Seattle than there is in Vancouver. So for those reasons, I would do a cruise out of Seattle on either Quantum or, or Ovation first. And then later on, you probably want to go do, you're going to get hooked on it. You're going to see Alaska and be like, OMG, this is amazing. I want to go back again. And at that point, then you're going to want to do a Radiance class ship. It's more of a deep cut, if you will. But it's wonderful. And if you were to do a Radiance class ship, it wouldn't be bad. I think it's just, I, I, I think all things being equal, I think it's you're going to get a better price, more flight options out of Seattle. It's easier to get in and out of than Canada. Um, there's a lot of good reasons for it. So I'm going to tell you, and, and the ports in terms of itinerary are more similar than they're not for the uh, cruises that go out of Seattle versus Vancouver. You know, Vancouver, you can get a little more deeper into Alaska. Uh, you can get a little more of the more exotic ports, but you're still going to hit, you're going to see glaciers. You're still going to go to Juneau. You're still going to go to Skagway. You know, the other port might be a hit or, you know, whether you can get another port in there or not. But I'm telling you right now, you're not doing yourself a disservice by doing that. So that would be my recommendation there. And we have time for one more email today. And that is from Tanner from Canada. My family and I recently got off a back-to-back -back cruise offering a, a four-night, three-night cruise on Independence. In fact, you were on the three-night portion based on your Is a Weekend Cruise Worth It episode of the podcast of that cruise. I had actually waved and said hello as we entered the Diamond Lounge on your first day, and I recognized it was you in the flesh. My question is about maximizing the turnaround day, where one cruise ends and another one begins. Perhaps it was just me, but had the, that day had a strange type of vibe to it. I felt like it was a wasted day in some regards, and I'm looking for any tips or advice as we have a four-night, three-night back-to-back on Freedom in January and another back-to-back -back on Navigator with a four-nighter and a seven-nighter in April. On this past time, we found ourselves locked out of our room as the hallways were closed off to facilitate luggage movement. Rookie mistake, because as soon as it happened, it was obvious, but it was something that we hadn't even considered taking place. We had decided not to book a shore excursion because we were not sure how seamless it would have been to get back on the ship or if we had found ourselves in a long line with all the new cruisers. Was this a misplaced concern or is it a real hindrance? I hate wasting time in lineups. The one cool thing was that we were sharing the entire ship with only 16 people for a couple hours, so we captured some amazing photos of his family on an empty ship. 
We spent some time in the pool, minus the ability to actually go swimming because all the swimwear was in our cabin. We won't make that mistake again. What we were looking through is other considerations on how to really maximize that day. There was a notable change as new cruisers came aboard and all the energy of day one, where we had settled into the relaxation of day five, if you know what I mean. Thanks for the advisor tips. We will join a group cruise hopefully sooner than later. Dinner, great question. So a couple things. Number one, if you have the same cabin for both sailings, you are allowed to go back into your room even though the door is closed. So what they should be giving you, uh, I don't know if they do this all the time, but it doesn't matter if you don't have this. But anyway, in the past, I've gotten these little piece of paper that says consecutive cruiser or something like that. And that's basically your, your hall pass. The, the doors are, the hallways are closed to the rooms. But if you have the same cabin, you can absolutely open up that door. It's just, it's not locked. It's just a, it's a door. You open it up. And if any crew member says something to you, says, hey, no, no excuse me. We're just here. We're doing it back. We're back to back. We're going back to our cabin. If you're changing cabins, you cannot do this because just like people that are coming on the ship uh, that day, your room may not be ready. So you can't do that. So number one, definitely have the same cabin. And number two, absolutely feel free to go back to your room even though the door is closed. The reason the door is closed is because they are working on readying the cabins. So they don't want other guests coming in there and you know poking their head in or, or disrupting the crew. You are not doing that. You are simply, first of all, you're one of 16. More importantly, you're going back to a room that has already been turned over because I am sure your cabin attendant already turned it over in the time in which you went from cruise number one to cruise number two. So that's like number one with a bullet. If you're doing a back-to-back -back cruise, it's not the end of the world if you don't, but you really should have the same room. Number two, you know, you've already talked about the, you know, the pool deck. That's an important thing to take advantage of. You know, um, I would definitely recommend that you either have your swimsuit with you so you can change in one of the public bathrooms up on the pool deck or go back to your cabin and and do that otherwise i mean really the time in which you're going between cruise number one and cruise number two is pretty much what you described there's not a whole lot going on and i would say for me i've always used that opportunity as a nap time like you know cruise number one you you're probably burning the candle at both ends you were excited for your cruise and i find that if you got a couple hours and most of the restaurants don't even open for lunch until you know maybe 11 30 or so like this is a perfect nap time to get back to your cabin relax take a nap this is like I love having the same cabin for for a back-to-back -back sailing. It makes such a big difference over there. So that would be my recommendation. Other than that, the only other option you really have is to do a shore excursion. I never love the Royal Caribbean shore excursions they offer. They're usually like kind of like, I don't want to say tourist traps because, you know, like I'm sure an airboat ride in South Florida is lovely. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea personally. But you could do something on your own. You could go shopping. You could, you know, rent a car, uh, go to the beach. You know, there, there are things to do. Uh, you know, you mentioned Independence of the Seas. You could have gone to Kennedy Space Center. There are things you absolutely could do in that time. You just want to watch your time. Make sure you get back in time. Back in time. But if you get back to the ship around like 2 o'clock, you're going to miss like everybody else there. There should not be much of a lineup anymore uh, to get back on board. But that is a concern, obviously, is that while you wouldn't have to wait outside like everybody else, you'd still have to go through security. And you would have to, you know, still do the process. It's not the end of the world. And in this day and age of, of you know, the terminals being a lot faster and more efficient than they were in the past, I don't think that really matters that much. So I would tell you this. I, I, I probably say getting off the ship is not a great idea. There's just not as much time as you think because you're going to get off the ship early because they're forcing you to do that because they have to you know, end cruise number one. So you're going to be tired and then you have to be back on the ship by like two. It's not really worthwhile in my opinion. So I think you're better off just having the same cabin for both sailings and then making sure that you, uh, you know, you're okay. You can open that door and just say, hey, I'm going back to my room. And honestly, if you've been there for the first cruise, half the crew members should recognize you anyway, whether it's your statement attendant or not. 
but don't feel bad about opening that door if it's your same cabin. Well, there you go. Thanks to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If I can answer your question, you can always send it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, we'll talk again real soon.